Whoa, that was loud. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that was loud on your end. All right. Hmm. So I chose this theme of cultivating um, resources for well-being, feeling into the supports of life that are that are already here that we, and I know myself, that I forget about, especially when I need them most. Um, but because, because life sort of brought me to that place recently where I, I really needed to start feeling into some supports. Um, just how life can sometimes my life was just getting out of balance a little bit. Uh, we had six uh, straight weeks of visitors in our house and it was all family and friends and it was really fun. <laughs> it was beautiful and feel really grateful. Um, and I'm a full-time working mom and I could feel that it was starting to feel a little out of balance, even though I was doing my best effort to keep my rhythms and my practice alive. Um, there's just a lot that visitors and guests um, need and, and a lot we want to do outside of the normal rhythms. And I don't know if you can all relate, but it can, it can feel like a lot sometimes. And what was supporting me was this practice of generosity. And recently I was listening to a talk from one of my teachers, Rob Berbea, about generosity. And he was saying, um, try it out. Like I was just saying earlier, giving the Donna talk. See what it's like to be generous, you know, especially in times when, when you don't feel like it. And I was using that as a mantra during the last month and a half. Like I could feel maybe a little resentment building and resentment around really just wanting solitude. And like, oh, but let's, people asking, like, let's do <clears throat> want to do that and feeling like oh I don't I don't want to do that I don't want to go but yeah okay be generous even when I don't even when I don't feel like it so I would do that and it was it was feeling really good I can I can be generous and that opens my heart until it didn't feel good anymore and then there was something I could see that was out of balance but I didn't really know what to do and it was a it was an interesting day because I had I was leading two groups and had a little uh, break in between, and all of a sudden I don't know have you ever felt the kind of restlessness in your body where it feels like there's like ants crawling in your skin where you're just like ooh like so that was happening and I I actually let myself move and I was like woo wow and then I growled like <laughs> I was like oh wow this is restlessness. There is restlessness in the body. I'm like, okay, there's a hindrance here. That's restlessness. And I just seeing that naming it as a hindrance was helpful. And I was able to lead the group and it went you know, more or less well. And then after it was really interesting. So I just sort of laid down and all of a sudden I started thinking about food. And I was just like, I just, I want to eat. I just want to, I want to eat crunchy chips. Like a lot of them. my mind just kept thinking about eat, 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 eat. And I was like, oh, interesting. Um, and it was a really strong craving. I was like, wow, okay. Um, wow, there is sense desire here. And I started, mindfulness started waking up and really asking the question like, what, what's happening here? I sort of went through and asked myself, are there any other hindrances here? 
you know, in Buddhism, the hindrances are aversion, sense pleasure, um, restlessness, worry, dullness in the mind, and um, and doubt. And I went through each of them. <laughs> it was like, wow, okay, well, the craving is there for the chips, and then aversion. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't liking any of it. None of it felt comfortable. I was pushing, feeling like none of this belongs, um, and then. There was a dullness of like, oh, there's probably something I could do, but I don't want to do anything. That kind of feeling, just like, Ugh. and then, and the doubt came into of like, um, who am I to be having this experience right now? This this Dharma teacher with this multiple hindrance attack right now. Just that sort of like, who am I voice, which which doubt likes to offer up. It was fun to go through those and see all those because as soon as I went through the whole list, I saw, oh, it's just a hindrance attack. It's a multiple, all of them. Here we are, hindrance attack. Um, and it, 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 it woke me up with mindfulness. And look, I thought, all right, so when the hindrances are here, what do we do? What's the teaching? It was in the first... Um, thing that the Buddha asks us to do when there's a hindrance is to ask ourselves to inquire, what are the conditions that led to this hindrance arising? And then now that the hindrance is here, what would support the allowing it to pass away? And then what, uh, what can be invited in to support the hindrance not returning? So when I started, you know, thinking about it, I was like, well, yeah, what has made this experience? And it was so clear for me. It was like, I just haven't been practicing. And for me, practicing is what gives me the resource for um, mindfulness. And I was, I was practicing a little bit here and there every day, but it wasn't the, the kind of solitude, the kind of practice that I really need to sustain a feeling of um, centeredness with, with so many visitors and, and so much going on. So that was, okay, those are the causes and conditions. I don't have to take that personally. No blame, you know, no fault here. And uh, what would be the conditions that would support these hindrances passing away and possibly not returning soon anyway. Um, and for me, it was really clear. It was like self-care, you know, and not, not the kind of self-care that's like getting nails painted and massage and hot tub, although all of those are wonderful and they belong. But self-care, taking care of movement, taking care of yeah, ways to move my body, ways to practice. And for me, a huge part of self-care is time alone. So that this is this is the theme, self-care. Um, so this this talk tonight, this exploration tonight, is inspired by a teacher that some of you may know. He's a Tibetan teacher, and his name is Lama Rod Owens. Any of you know Lama Rod Owens? I can't see any of you, but I think that Jim, I see it for a second. Yeah. Okay. So Lama Rod Owens is a, um, he really shares in his teaching a lot about not just 
waking up for ourselves, but the bodhisattva vow, like collective awakening, and that we're here working for everybody's freedom, you know, especially people who need help getting free. And he makes this a huge, huge part of his teaching. And with that, he says, uh, the bodhisattva path in our time right now can be extremely draining. And he has this image um, as I was taking a class with him recently around self-care. And he says what he does is he imagines that he is, you know, using this analogy or metaphor of, of a cup and not, not letting it get empty, drained, not just filling the cup up and then letting it get drained and filling it up and letting it get drained. But he says, I, I live my life so that I'm a cup that's always overflowing. I have enough resources, supports for well-being that I'm just always overflowing. And my supporting the awakening of others or what, what's needed and how I can help is just, a, is just extra from my own resources. And it just doesn't take very much work at all. It's just this overflowing. And I love that image. And... I think there have been times in my life when I've been able to feel and like, yeah, it feels really easy. It feels like just that, the cup overfloweth and it's easy to share. And I think another way to say what Lama Rod is saying there is let's live in a life where there's no hindrances going on. And it's, while it's something to aspire to, um, it's just that for a lot of the time, something to aspire to. And there will be times, and Lama Rod does say this, he says, if ever it doesn't feel that way, if ever my cup does feel empty, that I feel drained, I know it's just time to stop and to really look within what is needed right now. So uh, this is my favorite question these days in practice. What do I need right now? So while it's a lovely idea to feel like the cup is just overflowing all the time, I think that times when there is a multiple hindrance attack or the times when the, when the cup feels completely drained, these are learning times. Because if the, if the cup feels drained, I think we can ask that same question with like the inquiry with the hindrances of what were the causes and conditions that led to my cup being drained? But also the times when we do feel overflowing, when there's a lot to give, when the hindrances aren't so much there, what were the causes and conditions that led to that? And make note, okay, so that's what supports my cup overflowing. Because then we can get back there. So for me that day, uh, I was lying there with the multiple hindrance attack and I just thought what I really need is to be with the trees. Even though I was had that dullness and I didn't want to go anywhere, I just knew that was what I, what I needed. And I landed on knowing that I needed the trees because of a practice that Lama Rod has offered that I've been working with in the last couple of months called the seven homecomings practice. 
And this is a practice that Lamarad teaches. He he teaches it both as a like a linear meditation practice where he walks you through these as a contemplation, a reflection, different realms of support on the path. Um, it can also be a practice where we, we pick and choose different realms of, of support. Um, so th- this is my um, intention tonight is to bring, maybe some of you are familiar with this practice, but to bring it here tonight and have this experience be both a uh, reflective, experiential, contemplative uh, talk and with, with some ideas and concepts. So what we'll do um, is I'm going to bring the seven uh, homecomings here and we'll go into them one at a time and so we'll I'll invite you into the first one as Lama Rod would do in his style of leading it as a little you know, one to two minute contemplation reflection say some words and see what arises in your mind and, and how it feels um, and then what will come out of a reflective mode and and I'll share some thoughts about how um, I work with these different homecomings I think uh, they can be a support. So thank you, Lama Rod. I just want to say that uh, for inspiring this practice, for bringing it here, and, and for having it as a resource for all of us. And my, my deep uh, hope is that each one of us goes into our day tomorrow like, ah, this, this realm of life. I can use this today for my well-being. So the three of these uh, first homecomings are really the traditional Buddhist refuges. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. Lama Rad does not call them that in these homecomings, but that's where this practice starts. So I, uh, I'm not going to tell you the next four. I'm going to pique your curiosity, so you'll, you'll have to wait and hear them one at a time. So let's, let's begin this journey of opening to circles of care, as Lama Rad would say, opening to circles of care. So whatever reflective posture you want to be in, you want to look at the ceiling, close your eyes, look at me, look down, any reflective posture. So in the spirit of Lama Rod, he starts every practice by saying, just feel your chair. Just feel the chair. It's always there. Come home to your chair. And now we'll begin the practice by opening to the support, the care, this first homecoming 
of the care of our teachers, guides, mentors, elders. And so as you hear those words inviting in, in your imagination, in your felt sense, in your memory, all of the teachers you've had that you can uh, remember in this moment, who you could be curious and to see who pops up. This could be teachers, guides, coaches, mentors, from childhood even. Just as if creating a, a circle, teachers. Noticing how it feels to see these different special people you've had in your life coming into your awareness right now. And as you see see them, you could reflect, what is it about this teacher, this mentor, this guide that inspired me or made me feel seen, cared for me in some way? Why are they coming into my circle of care right now? And now if there's one particular guide or mentor or teacher that that you'd like to step a little closer to, and then behold them with your mind's eye, your heart right now. Sensing what it feels like in the body to be in their presence, in the heart. And can you now begin to look at yourself through their eyes, through their heart? What is it that they see in you? What is it that they appreciate about you? Can you sense into what it is about you that makes their life better as well? Why do they believe in you?
and just noticing what it feels like in this moment to open, to receive this care from this first homecoming, coming home to the support of teachers. So now coming out of the reflective posture, I can't see you, so I'll just, maybe you keep your eyes closed this whole talk. It's up to you. Hmm. I'll say a few words about this first homecoming and how, how I think about it. I think for me, w what we just did there is um, very much a classical way of bringing a benefactor in through the loving kindness practice. Um, so it's probably not, not too foreign how they experienced that before. And I think that you know, we definitely opened the imagination there to, to imagine that in the body, in the mind's eye, what that's like to be with this teacher in the imagination. And it's one of the ways I really love to work with the care of teachers. I know for me, sometimes if I'm really going through something, I'll just sit down and, and imagine I'm having a conversation with my teacher and, and see what he has to say. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, the answers come, the wisdom comes. And so this is, this is really a, a beautiful doorway to work with teachers mm. through the mental practice, through the imaginal doorway. Sometimes I just, um, maybe some of you do this too, but I'll just go into Dharma Seed and pick a, a random talk from one of my teachers and, and put it in my earbuds and go for a walk. And, and just hearing their voice is sometimes just this like really soothing bomb. Oh yeah. It doesn't even matter what they're saying. It's just entering into the present of, presence of that mentor, that teacher. So one question that I get asked a lot, actually, is um, people sometimes will say to me, you know, all of you Dharma teachers, you're, all, you're always talking about your teacher, you know, and these conversations you have with your teacher. And um, how, do you, how do you have a teacher? Where does that relationship start? How do you go about it? And I think it's a great, it's a great question because a lot of us don't know how to get a teacher. And so it's really easy. <laughs> you find a Dharma teacher that you like and you resonate with and you say, will you be my teacher? You know, and depending on what their schedule is like, you know, um, they may or may not have time to take on meditators and practitioners, but um, they will know somebody who does have space in their schedule and who is, is doing that work. And it's such a um, rich it's such a rich practice of, you know, having the support of Sangha and going on retreats and, and coming here and listening to talks. But then from time to time, and, and the beauty of Dharma mentoring is, is that it's, it's on your time. Maybe it's once a year or twice a year or every week or once a month. You know, it's just when you want to check in about your practice, your practice, your individual practice and how it's unfolding in your life. Um, all, all of the teachers that you know have teachers, and all of them have had teachers. Uh, going back to the Buddha, 
who also had teachers, you know, so this relationship um, is a really important and supportive one on the path. So you can just feel into, do I, do I want to, you know, have more access to a teacher? And if you do, it's out there. And then that's, and this is also the beauty of the Donna practice is that it really is available. And here's a resource for, for all of us. You know, I was recently talking to James and he said, I still call Joseph. Every now and again, I need a little tune-up, and I call Joseph, and, and we, we have our, our talk, and I offer him Donna, and he's still my teacher, and we still check in in that way. You know, there's something about having someone ca who can listen to you talk about your life and, and um, just also believing in your capacity to awaken so even though they hear all of the chaos they see this just this like yeah and you got this i remember i'm remembering right now um and james has been my teacher for almost 20 years and 10 years ago i had a miscarriage before i had my my child and i remember i remember talking to james and it was the only person that uh, i felt like wasn't trying to fix it. Was just holding the space for it and grieving with me and doing it, you know, with the Dharma right there, the understanding, that, like just that understanding. You know what I mean? Just that person who understands it from that that perspective. So it's like bringing the real stuff too, not just what do I do with my mindfulness practice, but you know, how do I hold this loss, this grief, this joy? So we'll enter back in to reflective space now and calling forth the support of the, the second homecoming which is coming home to the care of wisdom texts, wisdom teachings. So, so here now for fun, can you, can you remember the first spiritual book you ever read or the first talk that you heard? Uh, the first wisdom teaching that lit you up on this path? Inviting in into the circle of care, like the books you've read, the talks you've heard, the even the social media memes that have impacted you, the poetry, the music, the dance, all of these wisdom teachings that have supported your understanding of the Dharma, of opening your heart. What are the teachings, the practices that you've loved, that you've felt inspired by? You 
even calling to mind maybe just a line of a poem that has supported you in some way. And in this moment, what does it feel like to feel the support of all the inspiring writings and talks, wisdom teachings? What does it feel like to remember these? And coming out of the reflective place. And just, just for fun, Let's do it in the chat for a moment. Can you type in, would be fun to see the different wisdom texts that have um, supported you. So the chat should be open if, if you wanna, let's see. Let's see some of the ones in the space here tonight that have supported you. Are there any in the chat? Be here now, Jack Cornfield's Monday Night Talk. Yeah. Rumi, be here now. Oh, be here now. That's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. So be here now, all of you be here now devotees. Is there a page in Be Here Now that sticks out to you? That's like that page I come back to, that. The little prince, things fall apart. The Inner Art of Meditation, Mary Oliver. The one with the 57 Chevys, okay. Yeah, the page of Be Here Now that stuck out for me is um, the page that says, you just love. This, those words actually kind of changed my whole life. Um, Siddhartha, Mary Oliver, issue at hand, Gil Fronsdale, the Bhagavad Gita. Calling it in. Look at these wisdom texts. No mud, no lotus. So here's another one. Does anyone have a line of poetry that, that you've used like a mantra? I'll share one of mine. Um, just this Julia Fehrenbacher poem. This line is, um, stop asking, am I good enough? Ask only, am I showing up with love? Like I come back to that line of poetry as a wisdom support. Stop asking, am I good enough? Am I showing up with love? And maybe some of you Mary Oliver fans on here, have you, I think the poem is when death comes and there's a line that's, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. And that for me is like a line that goes over in my mind and actually just the last part of it, something particular and real. Just those words, like just this little wisdom that run in my mind. So I hope that was fun to see, to see these wisdom texts. Oh, Heidi's got one. This world is made for you to be free in. Anything that does not bring you alive is too small for you. Mm -hmm. Get proud by practicing. Make your heart a bowl big enough to hold it all. 
If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs. Yeah. Mary. Text from Baha'i. Germer's Mindful Path of Self-Compassion. Tell me. Yeah, that one, right? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I'm curious. How many of you have had that come to your, your mind? I see it every time I see geese. That line comes into my mind from wild geese. You know, I think us Dharma geeks here, we could just go on and on with this exercise for for hours. The wisdom texts that have supported us. So I was just thinking, you know, sometimes I just sit by my bookshelf and just feel like I'm in the company of friends. You know, I don't need to even read. It's like, oh, I love that book and that book. And I was thinking about how when I go away, like I just went away for a couple of nights to have some really get grounded time. And I brought all these books and I knew I wasn't going to read books there. I knew I wasn't, but just I like to have them there, especially poetry books and just see them, you know, wisdom texts just as friends right there. But another way that, that I think we can feel into this support of the wisdom teachings is actually asking the question, what teaching do I need right now? What practice do I need right now? And I know that can be an overwhelming question because there's so many, but it can be really simple for me. It often falls into one of three. Do I need mindfulness, some aspect of mindfulness, one of the four foundations, or is it loving kindness I need, one of the Brahma Viharas? Or is it a samadhi practice, like a gathering the mind over and over again? And usually I can look to one of those and find, I need that wisdom practice, that wisdom teaching right now. Another way that uh, we can find the uh, support of these wisdom texts is by feeling into the moment. Like, what's my, what's my curriculum right now? I know I've shared this a lot. It's a question I ask myself all the time, like with being out of balance recently. Like, okay, what's the curriculum in this? What am I being asked to learn? And then, all right, what I'm being asked to learn is self-care. So, okay, I'm turning to Lama Rod. He's got the wisdom here. He knows what to say about this. So find out, ask yourself, what is the curriculum? And then find the teaching that you need. Mm. All right, <clears throat> entering into third, and I'll, I'm aware of time. I will make sure we do them all, so maybe I'll move a little faster. So reflective pose, reflective time, entering into this third homecoming. This is the support, the care of our communities. So can you call in all of your communities right now into your, your mind's eye and your heart? Community can be one friend, can be a sangha, of course, a neighborhood, a family. No need to compare your community against some idea of what good community is. Whatever, whatever your community is right now, can you feel the support of it? what it draws out in you, what beautiful qualities it brings out in you, this community, this friend. Mm. 
What do you receive from this community? And what, what do you offer? And just checking in, what does it feel like to call forth the support of community, of Sangha? So we can come out of the reflection and I'll just say, I know this can be charged for some of us who may not feel like we have the community that we really want right now. So I would be doing this with all of my heart right now if I could see you, but could you, if you have gallery view, just look at each other right now. This is a community. It's different every time. It might never be together in this exact constellation again, but here we are, 43 folks who care about dharma, who care about kindness, who care about waking up, and we get to be here together. So you have at least one right here. One quote from the Buddha that kind of always stops me in my tracks is where Ananda, his attendant, goes to him and, and says, it would seem, Buddha, that spiritual friendship is half of the holy life. And the Buddha says, no, it's not so, Ananda. Spiritual friendship is the whole of the holy life. And it, it knocks me off my tracks because I, I just, what is, the whole of the holy life? I have all these millions of other lists of teachings and you're telling me <laughs> that spiritual friend, I, I didn't, this is the most important thing in a way. The whole of the holy life. Yeah, that's a that's just a, such a, a big a big statement. And as I have gone through a, a practice since my twenties, I definitely went through a time when I had no sangha when I was a new mom. I just didn't have any spiritual community, and it was really dark. I fell away from my practice for a time, and it was yeah, it was a real dark night of the soul. And now coming back to practice and, and my whole, you know, work livelihood is leading sanghas every day. And every day I hear people say, being in sangha, being in this small group of people has saved my life this year. And with just the utmost sincerity, having people to come come to once a week and talk about my life and, and and these people I know I trust that they they get it they know the lens I'm looking at life through has has saved my life and maybe it sounds cliche or a little cheesy but I honestly hear that phrase honestly and sincerely many 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 times so the Pali word for spiritual friend is Kalyanamita. I, I love that word, Kalyanamita. And I just found this little uh, teaching from the uh, Diga Nikaya. And the Buddha says, Kalyanamita, the friend who is a helpmate, the friend in happiness and woe, 
The friend who gives good counsel. The friend who sympathizes too. These four as friends, the wise behold and cherish them devotedly as a mother, her own child. So these spiritual friends are helpers. They're with us when we're happy and when we're not. They give us their advice when we ask, sometimes when we don't ask, but, but they're here to, to give it. You know, they empathize, they have compassion. There are many, many different teachings on Kalyanamitta from the Buddha, and they're all you know, beautiful reflections. So this can be one to feel into, like what do I have what I want for spiritual friends right now? And if I don't, what do I need to do? How do I get that, that resource? Okay, we'll go back in to our reflective place. And now we are going to open to the fourth homecoming, which is opening to the support of the ancestors. And this is opening to our familiar ancestors, familial ancestors, and the ancestors of our spiritual lineages. A quote from Titnat Han. If you look deeply into the palm of your hand, you will see your parents and all generations of your ancestors. All of them are alive in this moment. Each is present in your body. You are the continuation of each of these people. So we, we carry carry the, the trauma, the healing, the strength, the resilience. We carry all of that from our familiar, familial ancestry. And the support of the ancestors is feeling into both um, the strength and the weakness. that there can be a resolve calling upon the ancestors to say the the trauma stops here i do my spiritual work to stop the trauma or the unhealthy patterns being passed down or maybe you you feel that your ancestors were so strong and resilient and that that's in your your dna and then you, you can also you know, look into this, this spiritual lineage. Wow, thousands of years of practitioners have kept this practice alive so that we can practice. And here we are now holding this lineage for those who have just started practicing, for those who have not even found practice yet, just coming into the world, feeling your place in that lineage that you too will be an ancestor for these future Dharma practitioners that you're needed to keep these traditions alive. So this is coming home to 
to our ancestors, to the support of our ancestors. And so coming out of uh, reflection, I just want to say I know that this this homecoming can be really tricky. This is the one where people like are like, oh, <laughs> either I think what I've noticed is people are like, yeah, that feels really cool. That's not something that's talked about a lot in circles of um, practicing to um, heal ancestral trauma or t- considering that I could find strength from, from my ancestors. Some people either really jive with it or, or they don't. Um, and Lama Rod is someone who is 100% uh, this is a practice you all need to be doing. <laughs> you are not asking. He, actually, the way he says it, y'all not asking for help enough. He, and, he, and he leans and he's like, you're not, not asking the ancestors for help. And he's like, just, oh, I just, I want you to hear it from his words. But he knows, he, he knows it in his whole being that this, this is a um, area of support. Um, and so I think that there's different ways that we can work with depending on where our mind goes with it. The rational mind doesn't love the idea that, some, for some of us, doesn't love really grok that idea that there are beings or unseen beings here that are helping. So, and if that's the case, um, that's fine. But if something in you is, huh, maybe that you have felt um, a connection with, with an unseen world. And in fact, it is something written about over and over and over again in, in the suttas. These unseen beings are, 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 are there everywhere in the suttas. We don't talk about it a lot, I find. And what Lama Rod specifically says when he says, you need to ask ancestors for help. They want to support you. And he just knows this in his fiber of his being, that it's something that we should do. Um, He says, what you're asking help with is how you're relating with something. And so that, that I love. Even my rational mind can wrap myself around that, yes, can you help me with how I'm relating with this? And you can perceive it in, in two different ways. One is there are unseen beings, there are ancestors, and they hear that call, and, and with their magic, they are helping. And if that way of perceiving really lights you up, then that's all you, that's all you need to know. That is just a perception, and it's lighting me up, and it's helping me in some way. But there is something really, I think, to tune in here when asking for help of a person, whether they're right in front of you, unseen, just asking for help. Because what's the gesture, right? It's like this. It's like a surrender. I need help. And for me, what I notice when I do that, when I ask for help, when I surrender, something gets out of the way. What is that something? The figuring it out mind just gets out of way. And when that figuring it out mind gets out of the way, whether it's ancestors' voice coming in, whether it's my own wisdom, it's something, something is coming in to help. I have... I have more stories on that, but I'll set them set them down for another time. We we gotta we gotta feel all of the supports here. All right, so coming into the fifth homecoming here, 
I love this homecoming. This is coming home to the support of the earth. Can you, can you remember a time when you were in nature or looking at nature, looking at the sky, being in water, feeling the wind, sitting by a fire, when you were close in with the elements? Can you picture a place on this earth that feels like a, a homecoming? Just to check in real quick here, what does it feel like when you remember this place, when you see it in your mind's eye, when you feel it in your heart? What happens to your mind, to your thoughts, when you're there with that, with that patch of land? So feeling that support of, of the earth and coming out of reflection. Just to say that this is one area of practice um, that is so, at the time of the Buddha, just really ingrained in how early Buddhist practitioners were practicing. It's, it's beautiful, you know, in the story of the life of the Buddha, his, his mom gave birth to him holding on to the branches of a tree he entered into deep samadhi the first time when he was a little boy under the rose apple tree. It's a beautiful story you may have heard. On the night of his awakening, he sat under the Bodhi tree and touched the earth and said, with resolve, I will awaken. He died beneath two trees and it was said that it wasn't, it was winter, but the tree blossomed and, and dropped petals on him. But the Buddha was sending practitioners, monks, nuns, to the forest all the time. Go, go to the, this grove, that grove, go over there, go practice. It was, just, it was just how they practiced in early Buddhist times. They were practicing on the land, in the trees, with the forest, by the elements. And that can be something that we don't, we don't do that a lot. Maybe you do. I, I know I don't go, oh, I need to go meditate and, and I find a tree. Maybe, maybe if it's a fun thing, I'll do that. But that's not my go-to. Like, I don't go meditate under a tree every day. Um, and we're really missing out if we don't, in a daily way, have some deep connection with the land. Because Dharma, right? Dharma means the natural way. So there's, it's all there. It is all there for us. In the sky, in the water, in the fire, in the forest. more here but i'm seeing the time and i want to honor time our time so in this last sacred minute we'll just walk through the last two and they're pretty connected so we'll just have the the reflective experience of them it's a beautiful place to close so coming home to the sixth the homecoming we come home to the support of silence
coming home to silence. Have you felt that in your life? Have you let the, the silence just wrap you up, fill you up? Feeling that, the care that the silence offers, the space, the time it gives to come home to the last homecoming, which is coming home to yourself. So we feel the support of the teachers, the elders, the wise ones, the teachings they have carried forth the community that keeps the teachings alive, the ancestors, the familial, the lineage ancestors supporting, needing us to practice. We feel the land. We feel a sense of belonging coming home, earth inside our bodies, earth outside our bodies. With that, Belonging, belonging here on a planet, we find ourselves able to come home. With all of that support to just being in the quiet. And in that quiet, we come home to ourselves. We come home to our beautiful aspirations, our aspirations for kindness, for clarity, for easing suffering our own and others. So in this last moment of this homecoming practice, touching back, what is it? What is it that's your most deep and highest, beautiful, sacred aspiration for your life? Can you really say it in your mind? I want this. Let it fill this whole space. Let it fill your whole heart. Coming home to this most sacred aspiration for your life, for your practice. This is coming home to yourself. Taking a last breath together in the silence. I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you with my heart. <laughs> Let's take our, our last moment here to, to just dedicate the merit of our practicing together. Just pick someone, pick someone near, pick someone far, pick many beings. Who do you want out there in the world right now to benefit from your practice? from your meditation practice, from your sangha practice tonight. 
can you offer it to them? May you too benefit from my practice. May all beings everywhere be loved. May they be safe and protected. May they thrive. May all beings everywhere be free from suffering and live with ease. I saw it, Jim. <laughs> Jim, I don't want to make you self-conscious, but it's just been you and me tonight. <laughs> You've been my friend. I've seen you. You're the only one I've seen. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, yeah, if you guys want to unmute and, and say goodbye, I might be able to see some of you, and that would be fun for me. Otherwise, good night, good evening, good day, wherever you are in the world. And Good night. Thank you. Uh, bye, Sue. Thank you. Lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Wonderful talk. Thank you. Thanks, Alexa. It was beautiful. It was fabulous. Ah, thanks, Linda. I'm not Thank James. You. You're not James. I'm not James. <laughs> Good on you, Carly. Hi, Kylie. Hello. You guys are so funny. Thank you. Thank you, Alexa. Thank you so much. Bye, Heidi. We go then. Bye. Bye, Elizabeth. What a beautiful sangha. Such calm, patient people. You too, Alexa. Oh, Thank know. you. Yeah, what what grace. Thank you so much. You are so graceful. Oh. I learned a lot by your example. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, not an easy one for me. But... No, it, you made it look easy, my dear. Well, you know what was easy about it is I actually had Jim. Somehow his, oh. and it, I was just, that, that was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I know people, you know, I guess webinars and stuff that people do offer offer uh, practices and teachings without looking at people, but it is weird. <laughs> it is weird. Uh, the, the pivot of our modern world. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Mm, a hug of meta. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> Bye. Bye. Good night. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.